This episode is made possible by Armoire. I love genius companies founded by women, and Armoire is one of them. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days, and then when you're ready for new clothes, you just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. To me, Armoire Armoire solves so many issues I struggle with today, the biggest one being accumulation of stuff. Let's face it, women want to feel on trend and fresh in their clothes, so we like to shop for new clothes often. But I also get overwhelmed when I have too much to choose from, which happens after years of shopping. I forget what clothes I have and I end up wearing the same thing over and over. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion and then send it back. Whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to brave a department store fitting room with those unflattering fluorescent lights again. Trust me, your overly cramped closet and the environment will thank you. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash heel. That's A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash heel to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Heal Podcast. I'm Kelly Noonan-Gores, and every week I speak to the leading doctors, healers, spiritual teachers, and scientists to find out what is truly possible when it comes to healing. I also interview real people with extraordinary healing stories. My philosophy is what's possible for one is possible for all. On today's episode of The Heal Podcast, I sit down and speak with someone who has had a profound impact on my life and spiritual journey. Marianne Williamson is a best-selling author, political activist, and spiritual thought leader. She is the author of 14 books, four of which have been number one New York Times bestsellers. A quote of hers from the mega bestseller, A Return to Love, is considered an anthem for a contemporary generation of seekers, me included. It begins, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Marianne has advocated for reparations for slavery since the 1990s and was the first candidate in the 2020 presidential primary season to make it a pillar of her campaign. In 2004, she co-founded the Peace Alliance and supports the creation of a U.S. Department of Peace. In 2021, just a couple of weeks ago, Marianne launched her new platform, Transform, which can be found at mariannewilliamson.substack.com. In this interview, we dive into her latest mission with Transform, and we discuss how we can't solve the problems of the 21st century with the mindset of the 20th century that created them. With a long, powerful track record in both the political and spiritual spheres, she offers us a recipe of real hope. Marianne is brave. She is compassionate. She's a badass. Let's dive in. Marianne, thank you so much for being here today. It's such an honor. I read your book, Return to Love, at the age of 20, and it just resonated so deeply to my core that you shot me on this spiritual journey. So I have so much to thank you for. And of course, then you're in heel, and we're a just powerful part of my journey in so many levels. So thank you for being oh, here today. Well. Thank you. Thank you. It's lovely to hear all that. And I'm honored to be with you. It's fun. Good. Glad we're here. Awesome. So you've written so many books. You're a powerful, inspirational speaker, motivational speaker and teacher. You ran for Congress, you ran for president, and now you're launching this new platform on Substack called Transform. I would love everybody to know more about it. So what is oh, your vision thank with you. that? Well, the cool thing about a Substack is that it gives you an opportunity to put all of your various offerings together. You know, we're used to having Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and the various ways that we get out information to people. 
But this is an opportunity to kind of have a hub. And also for me, not only a hub in terms of one place to put everything, but to take a kind of daily journey with people. I think that we're living at a time where people are aware, Kelly, that the old way is not working. You, you have done a lot of work of the, on that in terms of physical healing. I think what's happened in the last couple of weeks in this country between the UN climate report, you know, that says humanity is already on code red, between the tragedy of the way this evacuation is going in Afghanistan and all the things we're learning about the last 20 years, what's on full display is that the old system, whatever that is, is bankrupt. It's over. It's not working. It is inadequate to the challenges that face us now. And I think more and more people are aware, looking to that system, whether it's the political system, the medical system, the economic system, or any of the institutional pillars that we had thought guaranteed us some level of minimum security and common good, are more a part of the problem at this point than they are conduits for solutions. Now, you can go one of two places with this. And this is why I think Hill was so popular. It didn't leave you with despair. Because if all we say is that's not working, you, you make an emotional descent into cynicism, anger, frustration, this kind of nihilism. We're, we're all done. It's over, you know. Or we consider the possibility there might be another way. And we start forging those ways. So the thing I love about my Substack is that it gives me an opportunity. One day I might be talking about it in terms of spiritual things. Another day I might be talking about it in terms of political things. I might be talking about forgiveness. One day I might be talking about capitalism another day. Because, you know, one of the things that's interested me, I was posting yesterday, I said, I hope my spiritual readers don't just pass over it when I'm talking about politics and economics. And I hope my political readers don't just pass over it when I'm talking about meditation and forgiveness. All of it's important. We are multidimensional beings. Our problems have multidimensional expressions. And we need to own our multidimensionality, just like, just like once again, going back to heal. When you heal the body, we now know, you know we have to address the physical material issues and we have to address the psychological issues. And we have to address the emotional issues and we have to address the spiritual issues. And I think the same is true with healing a civilization. We have to address the things happening on the outside and the things happening on the inside. And I think when it comes to healing a civilization, all of us have to think of ourselves as the immune cells. But if we remain the people that we were before, all we'll do on some level or another is contribute to a perpetuation of the problem. So I think people are ready to transform. I think so many of us, just like you were saying, we've been writing these kinds of books. We've been reading these kinds of books. I think the last few decades have been rehearsal. You read Return to Love when you were 20. It was published when I was 40. You know, I see it a lot. I see age kind of like a lasagna. It takes five years to put the cheese together and five years to put the sauce together and five years to put the pasta together. And finally, you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. Whatever I can do in this lifetime, there's no more waiting till I get more perfect. And if we have enough of us, and I do think there are enough of us who know on some level this is true, I'm always reminded of a line in The Course in Miracles where it says, an idea grows stronger when it is shared. So now it's time for us to put all these ideas together and do what we can, not only to heal ourselves, but to heal the world. Oh, and I'm so grateful for that because I am just, and I probably speak for everybody who's listening, overwhelmed with you know, the 24-hour news cycle and social media and, and instant information and technology has done two things. We are now seeing everything around the world in real time, which yeah. most, a lot of it is horrific and it's overwhelming to our psyche. Um, but at the same time, you know, the result of that and cancel culture, it's, it's holding us accountable to have to do something because when I get overwhelmed, I just want to stay in my little bubble and 
play with my two-year-old and, and shut out the world. We are, we're no longer able to do that. So I believe that transform just reading, you know, since you've launched it, the, the articles and, and going back to your podcast, you're educating people on these issues. So me, where I tend to dwell in the spiritual, now you're giving me the practical realities of what's going on in politics and around the world. So it is marrying the two so that we can be informed, but then still do our turn within to our spiritual practices to be that change. Well, that makes me feel really happy. And if that is true, that you feel that it's giving you a context as a spiritual seeker to have a deeper understanding of some of these other issues, that makes me very glad. Now, I have always said in my work that as much as I feel each and every one of us is responsible for the kind of political activism that will change things, I have always said, if you have a child under five, you're absolved. Because I am aware that if you have a two-year-old, there is no more of a front line than early childhood. So the mother of a child under five or the father of a child under five, I do understand that. And we all know, those of us who are mothers, sometimes you need to get away from that too. Yes. <laughs> you know, give me something else to do the, <laughs> other than read about the little bunny again. You know, so <laughs> I understand that too. But uh, that's... Exactly. Um, well, that brings me so much peace because it is over. I, I struggle so much with, you know, I have a very strong gratitude practice. I have very deep meditation practice and it's, I, I rely on them every day now. And then I see something like what's happening to the women in Afghanistan. And, you know, I just, I'm like <sighs> struggle because I want to be present and positive and grateful for, for my immediate family and, and my young child, who's just soaking up you know, all the programs and the energy in her environment, which is me and her father. But I also like, don't want to shut out the realities of what's going on in the world. So I'm really struggling with that. So thank you for absolving me of a little bit of it. <laughs> I, I do actually. But even if you didn't have a two-year-old, let's talk for a moment about the women of Afghanistan. First of all, being overwhelmed emotionally by what all this means is exactly appropriate. It's where we should be. What is the birth lottery that you get to be in Beverly Hills today? Well, some very desperate woman is in Kabul, not knowing if she's going to be able to get on one of those planes in time to evacuate, will her family, and what kind of life will be waiting for her under the Taliban as she has to remain there. It is heartbreaking. It is overwhelming. But I think if we allow ourselves to be heartbroken, that right there is the change. We don't need to jump into what can I do? Because right now on a very real level, there's nothing you and I can do specifically. There are organizations that are raising money from, for some of those private uh, charter planes. But at this point, it's not about whether or not there's the money for the charter planes. The issue is whether or not they even have the time to get those people out. Although there are things, I know I uh, gave money to one where they are raising money for you know, some of these refugee families that come in, will they have money for their toddlers to have clothes and books, et cetera. So there are certain things we can do. But mostly, if we allow ourselves to feel the pain of this, you know, the time to be heartbroken is when your heart is breaking. You can't really take in what's happening there and remain the same person. But on the other hand, it's not change in the direction of dissent, cynicism, depression. There's a, there's a difference between deep sadness for the state of humanity and the dysfunction of depression and anxiety that only stirs things up and leaves you paralyzed. You know, our pain at the state of the world in this moment is not dysfunctional. What kind of person is not sad today about those women in Afghanistan? You know, that was my post on Substack, I think yesterday, our pain is not dysfunctional or two days ago. As Krishnamurti said, it's no sign of mental health to be well-adjusted to a sick society. Something, you know, I think psychic pain, emotional pain, psychological pain, in many ways is like physical pain. It's there for a reason. 
It means you have to look at something. We have physical pain. If you break your leg, the brain produces physical pain as part of the functionality of the physical system. Because if I if it didn't hurt, I wouldn't know to look at my leg and recognize, oh my God, I have to reset the bone. Well, we have to reset our thinking, not just our own personal thinking, but the thinking that guides the way we organize our world. And this is our job. There's no, there's no more grace period left. If we don't do this now, I don't need to tell you this, Kelly, because I'm sure you and your husband talk about it a lot. If we don't make these changes now, what kind of a world will you be leaving for your living to you? We're in a decline and we have to disrupt that decline. And I know that we can. And I know that those of us who have a background in the psychological, spiritual and emotional mechanics of fundamental change should be and are naturally the ones to lead the process because we know it's going to take more than just material change. It's going to have to take changes inside here too. And we know about those. For those of you who follow me on Instagram, you know I love a good infrared sauna detox sweat sesh. Well, now you can experience all the benefits of an infrared sauna from the comfort of your own home. Higher Dose's portable sauna blanket makes it easy to get hot and high from anywhere. High, you ask? Well, as your core temperature heats up, your brain actually releases a dose of happy chemicals, leaving you feeling euphoric after the sweat session. The blanket's deeply penetrating heat instantly boosts blood flow, flooding your body with enviable benefits like radiant and youthful skin, higher energy, a boosted mood, and decreased bloat. You just lay down inside the blanket, crank up the heat, and sweat it all out. Also, you'll burn 600 calories in just one sweat session. So it's like working out without having to work out. And for those of you who want to experience the benefits of infrared without the sweat, they also have this really cool infrared PEMF mat that recharges your cells by grounding you in the Earth's magnetic field for a full body reset. This game-changing mat combines the powerful technology of heated infrared with PEMF, plus 20 pounds of healing crystals like amethyst and tourmaline for a super relaxing, restorative experience that you feel within minutes. In times like these where physical and mental health are paramount, the blanket and mat are great additions to your wellness routine. Get your own infrared sauna blanket or infrared PEMF mat today at higherdose.com. You can use promo code HEAL75 at checkout to save $75. That's higherdose.com, promo code HEAL75, or just go to higherdose.com slash HEAL to get your $75 off today. Hey listeners, how are you doing? Like really doing? We are all collectively experiencing fear, stress, anxiety, and uncertainty like few other times in history. Even I find my daily practices and tools only get me so far during the most intense news cycles. That is why I was so grateful to learn about BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com offers affordable, private, online counseling. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done in a safe, secure online environment. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist so you can start communicating in under 48 hours. And they are so committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. BetterHelp is also more affordable than traditional in-person therapy, and they offer financial aid so they can support anyone, anywhere in the world at a time we need it most. BetterHelp offers all kinds of professional counselors who can help with things like depression, anxiety, relationships, sleep issues, trauma, grief, self-esteem, or identity issues. And of course, everything you share is confidential. What I've learned after years of doing healing and personal growth work is that we all have blind spots. Sometimes we need a trained professional to listen and bring those blind spots to light so we can heal. If you are struggling right now or just feel a deep need for connection and support, I encourage you to check out the testimonials on their website to see if BetterHelp resonates with you. I want you to find the support you need. So as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com heal. Join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health at betterhelp, that's H-E-L-P, dot com slash heal. You know, one of my favorite metaphors is for transformation and healing is, is of the metamorphosis of a caterpillar to a butterfly. Absolutely. 
and you you recently touched on it on on an even deeper level than I, what I was going to before, where you know the dark times of kind of a healing journey is, and the pressure and all of these things the are sludge. waking you the sludge. And and I know you had a conversation with our mutual friend Deepak Chopra about the imaginal cells, and so mm-hmm. and the overconsumption of these caterpillar cells. Because so if Isn't you can that just, amazing? It's amazing. It's exactly right. And we're either going to overconsume ourselves into a sludge and die, or we are going to enough of people that are kind of staying in the light and doing the spiritual work and forgiving and doing loving activism. I guess that's what you would call it. We are the imaginal cells that will then catalyze the metamorphosis into a new way of being the the butterfly. And don't you love that the butterfly has wings and can fly? I think one of the things that we need to get over is our magical thinking regarding any sense of guarantee that we will survive. You know, one of the things that the transformational community and spiritual community has is a pretty sophisticated understanding of drugs and alcohol. And that's because so many people in those communities come from a recovery background. Most of us have had the experience of participating, let's say, in an intervention, or at least know what one is. We know that there comes a time uh, with someone that we love who is drinking or using drugs where one person says to the other, do you think we ought to do something? And we all know what that means. That means we have an intervention. Why? Because the people around the addict or the alcoholic are aware that if it continues like this, they could die. Now, the addict is in this magical thinking that this can go on forever. But the sober people know, no, this can't go on forever. You could die from this. And I think that we in the society are assuming in a very naive way, that somehow it's going to all be okay. In fact, we cannot continue the way we're going. You know, we all learned about evolution when we were children. And if a species is moving in a direction where the behavioral patterns of that species are continually maladaptive for its survival, then it will either evolve or it will go extinct. And it's naive of us to think that that could not happen to humanity. We're just another species. That's all we are is just another species. And of course, when a species does evolve, it's always because there's a mutation. And even though the mutation does not represent the majority of the species, a majority ends up moving in that uh, developmental line and thus evolution takes a turn. I see the great spiritual leaders and avatars as mutation. I see Moses and Muhammad and Jesus and Buddha and all the great religious and spiritual teachers as pointing the way towards the mutation, a living that is based on such pure and unadulterated compassion that we are applying not just to our personal lives, though, also to our collective lives, that it does cause that collective mutation and evolutionary shift. Yes. And and all of the avatars that you named and people like Gandhi and Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King Jr., they came from it was not angry activism. It wasn't, um, it was loving peace. You can't solve the problem as Albert Einstein said, from the same level of thinking that created the problem. So, you know, how do we find that balance of, of forgiving, you know, these people that are just so corrupt or mentally ill and leading, you know, in, in massive positions of power? Like, how do we, how do we find that balance of, of spiritual practice and fueled activism? Martin Luther King said, God didn't say I have to like my enemies. He just said I have to love them. It's not personal. In fact, some of the biggest sociopaths tend to be kind of nice people who are leading some of the systems that are the most corrupt. They might be, it's so not about nice people. What do we do? We just make sure they get, they're not reelected. You know, you can't use love as a reason not to have healthy debate. You know, it's a, you, you can't, Uh, legitimately use love and compassion as an excuse for distraction or disconnection from the political process. There is no spiritual or religious path anywhere that gives us a pass on addressing the suffering of other human beings or other sentient beings, period. That would include animals. So when people say that if you're involved in a political struggle, let's say, for um, a higher minimum wage or for Medicare for all or for canceling the college loan debt. 
and somebody says, oh, you're too spiritual to be involved in that. What, excuse me, what are we talking about? These are people who have a minimum wage job and work 40 hours a week. There is literally no place in America where that person can afford a two-bedroom apartment. So where's the love in this? The love isn't about the people who don't want us to have the higher minimum wage. The love is for the people who don't know how to work and live, who can't get out from under their college loans or can't get an education, who can't just make a dignified life. You know, let's be real here. And, and you know this is true. You're a beautiful woman. We are privileged white women, Kelly. We get this. I do think we've achieved, and this is not nothing, actually. I do believe we have achieved, and this is different than when I was a child, a state in America, a place in America, a time in America, when no matter what your color, no matter what your ethnicity, no matter what your culture, if you're talented enough, smart enough, really got the goods enough, you can probably make it. And, and that used to not be true. But this is the thing. In America, you shouldn't have to be brilliantly talented. You shouldn't have to be great at sports or great at singing or a genius. You shouldn't. You just should be a person trying to live a good, dignified life and provide for your family. And you shouldn't be locked out. So where is the love? It's the love for them. And it's a fierce female. If, if anybody came in and tried to hurt your child, Kelly, you would get so fierce so fast and you wouldn't ask yourself, well, am I being loving enough? Mm. You would have no problem setting that boundary. You would have no problem shutting that door. You would have no problem saying no. You would have no problem rescuing your child. This idea that love is just, okay, love is mm. sometimes no. Love sometimes says no. And I think for anybody in the transformational community to pretend otherwise, we should not coddle that because we know that boundaries are important. And we know that sometimes love does say no. And we know that sometimes the divine feminine is fierce on behalf of her children. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Exactly. And that is loving action is being fierce and protective and, and, and taking care of those who are more vulnerable than ourselves. You talk about and heal how meditation is like, obviously most people take a shower, their personal hygiene. It's just, it's now adopted as, kind of a norm. If you want to be socially accepted, you have to wash off the physical gunk every day. Although there are all these <laughs> celebrities recently talking about how they don't take showers. I don't know what that's about, but <laughs> normal for normal folk, what you're saying is true. Yeah, we take a shower. We take a bath. Please do. Please do. So um, meditation is like mental hygiene. It's, and I think, you know, I, interviewed you four years ago for heal. And I think now we have this mental health crisis. It is absolute medicine to meditate. I mean, it, forget, you know, of course you want to meditate to show up in service in the world. It's like, we need to meditate to just shut out all the noise and tap into a deeper inner truth to connect to source or spirit or higher intelligence. Or, so speak to that a little bit, please. Well, as I said before, the fact that you have anxiety living in this world does not mean something's wrong with you. It's that something's wrong with the world. The way we order our civilization is completely at odds with the reality of who we are and the deep knowing about why we're here. We are not here just to be financialized creatures. We are not here to be constantly fighting off danger. We are not here to live constantly with a sense that we're in danger in this world and that there's only so much good and we have to compete to get some of it. And we are only as worthwhile as the external indicators would, would reveal. That's not a way to live. You can't live from that kind of a mindset and with that kind of a perspective chronically day in and day out and not get depressed here. It, once again, it's mental anguish that is telling us something is very wrong. And that goes back to the fundamental repair that's necessary. Now, from a metaphysical perspective, Kelly, the universe is both self-organizing and self-correcting. So let's look at your movie. Let's look at Heal. The whole idea is that the, the physical body could not function could not survive as we know. This is what AIDS is, a compromised immune system. The body can take an amazing amount of injury, assault, and sickness as long as there's a healthy immune system. Now, the psyche has an immune system too. People can take an amazing 
amount of heartbreak and trauma and abuse and get over it because of the kind of psychic immune system. There is a propensity within all nature to heal. As I said before, we have to see ourselves as immune cells. Now, when the, let's say you have a gash on your hand, the brain does its thing and the immune cells are activated and know to go to the wound that's on your hand. There's a natural intelligence which tells those cells, go to the hand, not go to the ankle. The gash is on the hand. And that's how the body normally operates as well. Every cell receives a natural intelligence. There's a guidance. You go to the pancreas. You go to the bones. You go to the abdomen. You go to the bladder. You go to the brain. And right now, you were given your assignment to make the movie heal. Each and every one of us are given our assignment. Your husband is an assignment. Your child is an assignment. Everything in our lives, what is my assignment? And that's how I say meditation every morning. There's a prayer in the morning uh, in in the Course in Miracles. It says, every day, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? Because we can't know. The Course in Miracles says you can't know how your talents and your abilities best fit into the larger plan for the healing of the world. We know that you were assigned to California. How do we know? Because you're there. We know certain things. Some people really don't know what is my assignment. And meditation, assignment isn't something that's going to come in the mail and you're going to get a six-month perspective. It's each and every day, your assignment in any given moment. Are you showing up as best you can? Are you as kind as you could be? Are you as gracious as you could be? Are you forgiving as you could be? Or is your energy negative, critical, seeing what you could get rather than what you could give, blaming rather than blessing, judgmental. There's no such thing as a neutral thought. In every moment, we're making a decision. We're making the decision consciously or we're making a decision unconsciously, whether to face that moment with a heart open or the heart closed. But what we're all learning is that all thought creates form on some level. And whichever you decide is going to determine the nature of your relationships, the outcome in situations. And there's a line in The Course in Miracles where it says, you achieve so little because you have an undisciplined mind. So to me, that's what meditation is. It's developing the spiritual muscles. Just like you go to the gym and you develop your physical muscles so you can react. You develop your spiritual muscles, your attitudinal muscles, so that you can be non-reactive. And when we are non-reactive and we are still, then the chatter of the chaotic ego is quieted and the small voice for God, as it's called in many paths, the voice of wisdom, the voice of clarity, the voice of real power comes forward and we start to live lives that are useful in this great birthing process that is taking place. And what we experience, and you and I are experiencing it right now, we are guided to people with whom there is exponential material and potential for us to serve at a higher level than either one of us would do by ourselves. Hmm. But we can't rationally formulate that. And that's what it means to be a mystic. It's to receive and then do. And that's what meditation helps us do. I love it. You know, I love this idea of assignment and you can only get it by here. I mean, heal was such a calling in my heart, but had I not been meditating, had I not been going to agape, I wouldn't have had the awareness or the knowledge to follow that calling and trust it because I was like, I've never directed a film before. And yes, I've been on film sets my whole life, but who am I to do this? You know, and because of Michael's teachings, because of your teaching, like I had the faith that everything that I needed to see that calling realized, that passion realized was, was in that energy of the calling. So, you know, meditation creates that space, turns within so that we can, like you said, quiet the mind of the ego, shut out the noise of the media and social media and, and things that are, you know, not universally true. You know, they're true as far as who believes in what, but when you turn within and quiet all of that chatter, including your own ego, you can get to your truth and that, that resonance again. Well, I love the way you put it. They're not universally true. 
they might be true, but they're not universally true. It's like the difference between what's real and what's really real. I mean, things that are happening that are real, and I know they're real because I can touch it, know it's real because I can see it, know it's real because I can hear it. The physical senses are like a veil that lies in front of a greater reality that is actually more true and more real, but we can't see it with our physical eyes, but we can know it's there. And by simply knowing it's there, we increase the velocity of the journey we're taking to get there. Yeah, I, I recently interviewed Dr. Shafali Sabari, and she she said the very fact that you have to say "I believe" means mm-hmm. that it's not universally true. It's not you know gravity is a law. Yeah. It's accepted. You know, it's right. the fact that you say "I believe." So so many people are married to their beliefs that they're not even open. That's why we see all this divisiveness in the world. We're, we're not even open to listening because they believe that what they believe is true. The Course in Miracles says belief is meaningless, experience is everything. At a certain point, you know, you believe in God. If there is a God, it's irrelevant whether or not you believe in God, but that we love one another, the experience of loving one another, the experience of forgiving one another, the experience of compassion. It's not even something to try to convince someone of. If you do it, it works. If you open your heart, it works. Life works out better for you. If you shut it, then it doesn't. And that's, once again, going back to what's happening in this world. We have put in our country alone, money before love, money before love, economic values before humanitarian values. And look what it has gotten us. We are in a situation of climate change that is critical beyond anything most people realized was going to happen, or at least happen this quickly. Why? Because we put profits of fossil fuel companies and other polluters before concern for the environment. We see these horrible situations in places like Afghanistan and realizing that the last 20 years wasn't really what we thought it was. Why? Because it was more about money given to the military industrial complex and the defense industry and the way it was able to finagle its way through Congress. Then there was a real deep consideration about what this meant for people. The system is so driven by the false god of short-term profits for a tiny number of people that it is literally imperiling the survivability of the human race. And those of us, and I'm assuming that means really everybody listening to us right now, that is awakened to this, if we turn within and ask, how can I help? How can I best serve? We're not here to be victims of all that tragedy. We are here to be the transformers. We're not here to be at the effect of those problems. We're here to be the problem solvers. And that's what other generations have done. You know, slavery was met by abolitionists and institutionalized oppression of women was met by the women's suffragettes and segregation was met by the civil rights movement. Kelly, it's just our turn. Mm -hmm. And God knows you're doing your part. I'm trying to do my part. I'm sure most people uh, listening to us right now are doing their part. And I think we all have to look at each other and just say, you know what? All doing what we can, but I think we all need to step it up right now. That's really what we're talking about because grace period is over and the decline is happening faster than most of us do. We can't wait now, all of us. Uh, All meaningless things need to be put aside. Ultimately, unimportant things need to be put aside. And we need to wake up every day and ask how we can help. Yes, I love that. And I love what you said about, you know, us being, because obviously there's a, pandemic of anxiety, fear, depression right now, you know, some of it from the chemicals in our food and environment and all of the stuff that's Mm -hmm. being allowed there. And some of it because of what's going on in the world. And we just don't have the tools to process it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but, but for someone listening right now that has anxiety, they now go, oh, me being anxious is a sign that I'm a empathetic human and realizing there's a problem here. There's a dissonance between what should be. And rather than And I think it's so beautiful because rather than just do what some powers that be would have you do and numb that anxiety. It's called Big Pharma, by the way. You can say the name. (laughs) Big Pharma, Big Food, everything. To numb that anxiety and escape through consumerism and you then become sicker and it's just this, you know, vicious cycle to go, okay, maybe if it's an acute depression, anxiety, that's debilitating you or giving you thoughts of wanting to end your life. And, you know, there's, there's a, a, a pharmaceutical intervention that makes sense for a short period of time to get you back 
the ship righted, but to just continue to numb and, and take the pill and, and stay in victimhood and consume, 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 that's what's perpetuating the cycle. So I just in that subtle, profound shifts come in subtle ways, just in you giving people permission, like if you feel anxiety, if you feel depression, if you feel the pain of what's going on and you feel helpless to do anything about it in Afghanistan or at the border or wherever, that's human, that's real. But now we need to turn within, meditate, find our assignment, ask how we can serve and tend to our little corner of the garden with fiercity if we must, or in whatever way that we are called to serve. It's not a little corner of the garden. None of us has a little corner of the garden. And particularly if you are a citizen of the United States or of any Western democracy, your citizenship means you're part of a very, very big and powerful garden. So none of this, just my little corner of the garden, because some people will take that to mean all I have to do is take care of my life. No, because while all of us have individual assignments, politics is a collective assignment. Mm. Citizenship is a collective assignment. We have elections in 2022. So that's a big assignment that all of us need to tend to. So I, I don't think any of us should be thinking in terms of our little piece of the garden. Got it. The got other it. thing, something you said that was really good really important when you were referring basically to antidepressants. In countries like England, where it is a non-profit-based healthcare system, when they prescribe them, they look at antidepressants, which we now know are addictive. And the healthcare system will say, I'm going to give you these just long enough to kind of jumpstart things for you. But we're going to make sure that you don't stay on them long enough to become addicted. So when you're here in this country, as so often is said, expect to stay on these for the rest of your life. That's a game being played no different than what happened with the opioid addiction mm -hmm. crisis, where we, you know, billions of dollars are now being paid out because attorneys general proved that there were predatory psych uh, pharmaceutical executives who knew what they were doing. And we had 450,000 opioid overdoses that we know there was a, and we know there was a direct connection. So you're absolutely right. When people talk about antidepressants as a kind of short term or temporary, obviously there are extreme situations and certainly situations like schizophrenia and bipolar, et cetera. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm, I'm not talking about that. And the reason it should be seen as normal is because it is functional. It is normal for your heart to be broken when the world is as messed up as it is. If you're looking at the world today and you're not depressed, who are you? So what we have to have is a more sophisticated conversation, particularly about the addictive qualities. And of course, getting off them also has to be done under the, under the supervision of a doctor. It can be very dangerous to just throw them in the, in the waste paper basket. But I have had a very strong feeling about this, particularly in terms of women. One in four American women are likely to be called at some point or another clinically depressed. That's a profit center for a hundred billion dollar industry. And this is not a time for the women of this country or of any country to be told there's something wrong with you, honey, that you're feeling this. You're feeling this because you're an empathetic person. You're feeling this because you're an intelligent person. You're feeling this because the, the wisdom of the ages is in you saying, this has got to change. That doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means something's very right with you. And you need to say it. And you need to say what you know in your gut. Just like you would if, if somebody was coming after a child. They're coming after all of our children. Not they as in people, but as in systems, which whether it has to do with environmental issues or economic issues or any other kind of policy-driven nonsense that creates chronic, unnecessary human suffering. The fact that women feel deep inside us, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And it upsets it, us to see it does not mean something's wrong with us. It means something's very right with our radar. And the only thing that will be wrong is if we do not express what we know. Then the issue becomes what you said before, to say it kindly, to say it in a sophisticated way, to say it in an elegant way so that it can have an effect. That goes back to what I'm trying to do with my Substack, hoping that I'm giving enough information to people where maybe there's some education about things that they have not put their attention to. 
And that's what it's doing. And you said something recently in, in one of your Instagram posts, but you're calling out the adult in us. You know, we the the pharmaceutical companies are just preying on the the, the kid who just wanted to go away and take the candy and get the quick fix and and convenience. And and I have to have this conversation with myself, like anytime I'm putting someone on a pedestal and I'm anxious going into a room or I'm overwhelmed by a responsibility that I have to deal with in life. And I, you know, I just want to be the spoiled child and like, why, why is this happening to me? I have a moment of that. I'm like, dude, you're an adult, like pull up your big girl pants and handle it. And I feel like we are just a, you know, a few generations of people that weren't taught the tools of emotional resilience. And, and I'm hoping that this next generation as, as we, we are practicing, you know, more deep spiritual work and, and learning how to heal emotional trauma and learning how to meditate and respond to life rather than react from our triggers, you know, we can raise a generation of really responsible, conscious adults, you know, I'm certainly trying to do that with my child. I do think there's been a prolonged post-adolescence in several generations. Too many women walk around like girls, too many men walking around like boys. And believe me, people all over the world roll their eyes about Americans, cannot believe the level of immaturity. Yes. And like I said, if you are a citizen of the United States or any advanced democracy, you have a responsibility this lifetime. You have to honor your incarnation. You have an, a, a responsibility this lifetime to know what's going on. And I think that a lot of us are, are reckoning with a lot of that in terms of Afghanistan right now. Uh, this is time to be doing some very serious thinking. But of course, the system that perpetrated so much of this nonsense calls what you and I are having the unserious conversation. What's starting to be revealed is, no, they're the ones having the unserious conversation. They're the ones having the unqualified conversation, unqualified to lead us through this time. And the conversation, which is absolutely an obsolete paradigm of problem solving at such a critical hour as this. You know, the Course in Miracles says only what you are not giving can be lacking in any situation. So the issue is, if you walk into a room and we feel afraid. I don't know what people will think of me or whatever. The issue is you put out the love before you go into the room. The issue, the issue is not what is the love I'm going to get. The issue is what is the love I'm going to give. Before you go into that room, blast it with love. Before you go into that meeting, blast it with love. Where there is love, there cannot be fear. Just as where there is light, there cannot be dark. So if there's approval and generosity and compassion lacking, you generate it. It's like, could have had a V8. That's what we used to say when I was a kid. <laughs> I love it. And that to me is the supreme maturity, isn't it? To hold ourselves accountable. Yes. Because you can't know what's going to happen on any given day, but you, you're a choice into who you are going to be as to who you are going to be in that day. I can't be sure circumstances are going to be wonderful for me today, but I can choose to be wonderful no matter what the circumstances. Mm. Say that one again, what the Course in Miracles says, you cannot get out of any situation what you're not giving or what, tell me that one. Well, it says only what you are not giving can be lacking in any situation. So there are times when things don't go our way. People aren't behaving the way we want them to. And what this does is it will tempt us to shut down. It will tempt us to go into defensiveness, even into attack mode. It will tempt us to go into the places that will only make the situation worse, although the ego would say going into that place will make you safer. Mm -hmm. Of course, the miracles is saying the only thing lacking here is what you're not giving. Who could you be in this situation that would actually be more loving, more generous, more forgiving, more of a blessing, more of a contributor? Like, oops, because that's what the ego doesn't want us to see. The ego always wants to make the problem other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How's that working out for us? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we're all, you know, none of us are perfect. I mean, we, I mean, I guess some people are, I'm not, I don't think any of us are here, you know, in that place that I'm talking about 24 seven, but I think that's why we're having the conversation to support each other in that. We enough with the constant coddling of the conversations about abuse, conversations about trauma, conversations about anxiety, conversations, we, we get it. And to some extent, this must be discussed, it must be processed, but it must not be indulged. Mm. There's a difference between processing something and spewing it, self-indulging, just going on and on and on about how awful it was. 
there's a certain point we have to get into the solution. And also we can't say, I will show up for the planet once I'm more enlightened. Now you, yes. like I said, you have a two-year-old. So you do get a pass for the next three years on some of it. I do feel strongly about that, actually, because I do feel that early childhood is everything. That's watering the roots. Thank you. I really appreciate that because it is it's stressful, you know, especially with awareness. I know that she's just a sponge and I want to be. No, and every single thing, every single moment, every single thing that goes into that little brain of hers and 80% of her brain is before developed before the age of five. Everything she gets from your husband and you will stay there forever. Mm-hmm. You know, once she starts going to school of five, you'll still be the primary influence, but you won't be the only thing anymore. Mm-hmm. So we know early childhood. I mean, we know things about the brain in early childhood. Now they didn't even know 10 years ago in terms of neuroplasticity, et cetera. So I've been saying that forever. I feel it very strongly, Kelly. And as you know, there are a lot of hours in the day. You're doing your podcast too. Somebody's watching your little girl. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I really, I want to leave everybody with this image that we are the immune cells. We are the immune cells that are going to wherever our assignment, whatever wound is in this society and with the planet, you know, life is a self-regulating, self-organizing organism. The earth, the planet earth is, our bodies are, and society is. And so- And self-healing and self-correcting. And self-healing and self-correcting. So if we can be adults and not dwell in our trauma and victimhood and, and deal with what we need to deal with and pull on our, you know, big girl, big boy pants and really do the work, do the spiritual work, meditate, ask, you know, show up to serve, enter the room with love, you know, and and have these spiritual practices that strengthen our own immunity so that we can be collectively a strong immune system to heal the society and and create a new paradigm. I I just think that's such a powerful and, and right on image that you are leaving us with. It's great to talk to you. Thank you. Lovely to connect and to see the marvelous work that you're doing in the world. And uh, I hope someday to get a chance to meet that little girl. Yes, I, I can't wait as well. And and so just as we wrap up, where can people find Transform? Oh, thank and- you. Well, once again, marianwilliamson.substack.com. And you can subscribe for free. You can do the $5 a month if you want and, and get some extra content, but it's free to subscribe and get all of the material. And I do believe it's a journey that many of us are taking together. It's a kind of daily curriculum in the internal and external transformational process that I think will uplevel all of our contributions, uh, our healing and our contributions to the healing of the world. Uh, thank you so much for, for your contribution and, and offering us those, those daily tools and support system. And, and I love you and, and I hope to see thank you soon. You. Too. I love you too. All my best. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Heal Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for more empowering wisdom and inspiring healing stories. Oh, and make sure you hit the follow button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answer you've been searching for. And if you feel inspired, we would love you to rate and review us so that we have the opportunity to reach more people. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram for some behind the scenes fun and more inspiration at at Heal Documentary and at Kelly Gorris. Thank you so much and be well. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.